This week on Media Insultant, I almost get arrested. And once again, our friends at iHeart are restructuring, reorganizing, whatever you want to call it. And what's new, Keith, with the continuing drama at Odyssey in their reorg? There's always something new coming up. And the NFL has pissed off a big bunch of fans, and they don't really care. So good morning. We're back with another edition of Media Insultant, our opinions and comments. I'm Jackson Weaver in Seattle, Washington. And on the hills of sunny Southern California, my handsome co-host, Mr. Keith Samuels. So, <laughs> yes, Thank that's you. Thank you, Jackson. That's I you. love it. Good morning. Good morning. Well, we'd like to welcome you to the Wednesday, February 7th episode of Media Insultant. Keith, I thought we'd open up today's Media Insultant with uh, something where you have had on and off over the past couple of years, an episode of You Can't Make This Shit Up from the uh, history of radio and TV. All right, so this was in the late 60s when FM was still kind of a backwater of automated musical schmaltz. You know, remember 100, 1,001 Strings, uh, Vic Damone, Mitch Miller. I mean, you know, everybody remembers Mitch Miller and the bouncing ball. So... But FM was really bleak for anybody under the age of 45. So I was working for an AM-FM combo at the time, and we had an FM station that had been doing absolutely nothing with a beautiful music format, and we flipped to a straight-ahead top 40 format. Uh, This was in a market, uh, mid-sized market called Wausau, Wisconsin, and so we switched WSAU to WIFC, thank you, WIFC, and uh, turned on the rock and roll. Now, it was pretty radical. Just out of high school, I was doing mornings, and I was programming the Big 95, WIFC. And straight up at 6 a.m., I rolled out of the final words of a simulcast newscast with the AM with Buck Laverton and hit Revolution by the Beatles. So this was a real big change for anybody listening to the radio. You know, what's interesting, though, is that uh, by, you know, a little after 6.15, 6.20, I still hadn't had any phone calls commenting on the format either way so the phone rings i jump to answer it and the guy on the phone wants to make sure first of all that he's talking to the jock on the fm station not the am station and he seemed really agitated and angry and he said so i just wanted you to know i've contacted the fcc and the fbi and they're both on their way down there to arrest you you'll be in jail within the hour I was a little startled, but I asked him, so why would I be arrested? And he was just pissed off. And he snapped back at me, why? Why? Well, because everybody knows it's illegal to play rock and roll music on FM. Needless to say, I uh, didn't need to raise bail that morning. And interestingly, WIFC is now the oldest, longest-running top 40 station in America. Very successful operation. So, wow, wow, that's that's great. That's our you can't make this shit up. So you did start a revolution in Wausau. There you go. Oh, and it spread to other FM stations, and I solely was responsible for it. I will take take complete credit for any popular music format on any FM station in America. That's okay. That's right up there with the old story that uh, the late, great Bob Cole used to tell when he ran the uh, FM group for CBS. Uh, and he, and he, had to, uh, he had to keep the head of the radio division away from an FM tuner whenever he visited uh, Los Angeles because they had flipped KNX-FM 
from beautiful music to uh, you know soft rock and and that worked for about six months I guess you know they they, they were able to uh, keep it a secret because they didn't want the corporate you know the corporate guys at BlackRock in New York to get wind of this experiment in L.A. until they could build an audience. But uh, it was it was, uh, it was a pretty fun story. Anyway, but you know what? We're dating ourselves. Yeah, we and, are. And, and there's, there's only like five people that watch us or listen to us that are old enough to remember the late 60s. So um, uh, we better move on. There you go. You just can't make this stuff up. We should. You know, let's get back to the shit that's going on today. Odyssey. Odyssey's in bankruptcy, and the drama kind of continues out. And we kind of have promised our listeners and viewers that we would kind of keep an, an eye on it. Jerry Del Caliano thinks the board doesn't want to run the company, but I don't think they're going to have much choice. Susan Larkin is uh, supposed to be the next CEO. What do you think of that, Keith? Uh, well, I know that's speculation because she's currently the chief operating officer, basically doing whatever David Field says needs to be done, um, who is the CEO. Um, and... Uh, he will remain, apparently, the chair of the board. But in reading the bankruptcy uh, documents, this prepackaged bankruptcy, reading those documents, on the effective date, okay, so this is the date that the court approves the prepackaged bankruptcy filing, the Chapter 11 filing. Which they have not done yet. No, and that will happen late, late spring, I guess. So that means late March, early April, somewhere around in there. And on that day, on that day, the the current board of directors of Odyssey, formerly Entercom, is dissolved, and a new board is installed. And at that point, those decisions will start to be made. And so I've got to think that those decisions will be made ahead of time by whoever's going to be the new board, uh, and the lenders get four board seats, and uh, another lender gets one, and David's the other seat. So he'll be drastically outvoted, and uh, we'll, we won't know what's going to happen really until then. I, I don't think, well, if I'm coming in and I'm taking over a company that has gone bankrupt, uh, I'm, going to, um, I'm going to make some changes. And so I think there'll be, I think there'll be uh, some you know, uh, surprising changes made at the top uh, for Odyssey by the new board. And that, but that won't happen until the effective date, and that is the date that the court approves all this. So I wait to be seen. I don't. I don't know that they hang on. Well, they have to pay. They paid her a retain a retainer a retention bonus of three hundred thousand dollars. Retention bonus, right? And uh, that come that gets pulled out of her severance if they fire her. You know, they're they're out three hundred grand no matter what if they <laughs> if they move on from her or they put somebody else over her. You know, because Susan knows how to, you know, knows the, the where all the bodies are buried, and she knows the company really well. She's been running it for crying out loud. So, uh, you know, I, I think there might be somebody new in the CEO role that uh, will will have to decide what to do with Susan and and the other senior managers. Well, there's an interesting phenomenon that we're seeing here. We're seeing a lot of women. Uh, you know, there's this pattern of women going into the CEO post when a company is in crisis. Uh, Mary Berner uh, was moved into that position at Cumulus. Uh, you know, you and I have commented on how many women are moving into the GM chair, typically from the news or side of the television stations, as the TV business collapses. You know, we're ending up with a lot of women GMs. Now, I'm not against that in any way. I think it's fabulous. I think actually women are better managers than most of us men. 
But this glass cliff is kind of the place where women, uh, <laughs> you know, they often get set up to fail. I, I would hope that if they move Larkin into that CEO position, that they give her the room to move. And uh, it'll be interesting to watch. I think the other thing I was interested in is what do you think advertisers think about this bankruptcy with Odyssey? How does that affect business on the street, do you think? Probably not at all. And certainly not at all until the effective date. And there's new leadership at the top because that's when you'll have – you know the cost cutting, uh, the staff cutting. You know all of the uh, the expense uh, reductions that are going to be needed, um, and and also what revenue growth initiatives they want to uh, you know put in place. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think until then, you know, it's it's just kind of the status quo. I don't think the the uh, the clients care much. You know, the same rep is calling on until the same until the reps are changed and cut back and consolidated, and market management is consolidated or changed. If you're an advertiser and a local employee for Odyssey, there's no change right now. So it's like whatever. Yeah. No big deal. Well, that is true. It is a bigger deal for those of us who keep an eye on the media. So I, I think that's a really good point. And, but I also think there is some management skill in kind of keeping your team focused. Ignore the noise. Ignore what Jerry Del Caliano says. Ignore what all of your friends in the business say. No, the only trouble is, is that out on the street, you know, buyers are going to use it to beat down rates even further. You just know that's going to happen. So, well, yeah, that that's going to happen anyway, and that's probably related to uh, some of the stuff going on at iHeart. So, we'll, we'll, <laughs> it will be fun. To we'll watch. talk about this that. Is gonna, yeah, this is going to be a, this is going to be a very interesting year. You know, last year was just let's let's just get through it. Let's let's try to bring back revenue from pre-COVID, and not much success at that. But this this year this year is going to be a make or break for uh, for the business I think in, in a lot of ways. I think you're right. I think you're right. All right, now we're going to move on to sports, which is your specialty here on the media insultant staff. Uh, <laughs> Super Bowl teams are set: uh, San Francisco and Kansas City. But one of the playoff games pissed off an awful lot of people. Keith, what happened? Well, let's see. I, NBC put it behind a paywall. You know, it was uh, uh, the only way you could watch the game was to be a subscriber to Peacock, and this was the uh, the Chiefs and Dolphins. It was the wild card game, and this was wild card weekend. So there were there were wild card games. I think there were like three six games. There was three on Saturday, three on Sunday. So you know, out of six, five were on network, and one was on a streaming service. And everybody was going, oh, my God, oh, my God, I got to, oh, oh, I can't watch that game. I don't subscribe. Well, you know, if you are, and, and believe me, the NFL exists primarily as as a betting uh, medium. I mean, it's it's all about the, the wagering on NFL football. Without wagering, you wouldn't have as many NFL teams and you wouldn't have these ridiculous rights fees that, that the networks are paying. So, first of all, wagering is very important. So, they certainly got... Everybody that was betting on that game to subscribe to Peacock, you know, or at least get the free trial or whatever it was to watch it. And they had 22 million people in the audience. It was the largest streaming event in the history of streaming video. I mean, it was massively successful if you are a streamer. And they got 2.8 million new subscribers as a result of that game being behind the paywall. So for NBC and for Peacock, that was great. For the rest of us, it was like, what am I going to do for the next three hours? I don't have a game to watch. 
I'm watching reruns of golf tournaments in you know in in Hawaii on the Golf Channel. I uh, what am I going to do? Uh, well, let's let's be clear I, I think, though that the NBC paid 110 million dollars for the rights fee for that for that one game. 110. How does that pencil? Uh, it doesn't because the other games were getting anywhere. The other games were getting almost 40 million people watching. So that just you know mm. safely, there was a double the audience of the free uh, you know over the air coverage. Uh, so you know you didn't get the ratings that the other networks got uh, you know for the for the playoff games. But uh, the fact of the matter is, you got you you really pushed Peacock. You know it's like it okay. They took the heat, but they got you know almost three million subscribers at how much? You know, at uh, seven or eight dollars. Well, a month. probably eight to ten bucks. Yeah, but yeah. then the question really becomes: uh, is how many cancellations did they get the next day? What kind of churn did they have? And yeah, you well, know, it just, was thirty to fifty well, percent. Maybe or maybe not. Let's just say they stick with two million subscribers for the for the next six months. Game paid for itself just by the subs, let alone the advertising. So you know, I I think it's okay. uh, I think I think it's Good point. you know it's 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 kind of like Amazon Prime and their Thursday night football. We're going to just have to get used to some of the games, not all, because they want everybody they want they want all the networks to give them all the cash they can get at the NFL. But we're going to see we're going to see a little bit more of these going on every year, every season, where we're going to have uh, some some games that are on a, on streaming services behind a paywall, and you know. I, it's going to make it sense economically for the league, and uh, those of us that want to watch the games are just going to have to figure out how to, you know, what's what streamer to subscribe to. Well, I think it's more than that. I mean, it, it, Amazon investing in ballet sports is a real good example. That's a regional sports net, and uh, ballet sports is, and so they're going to they've got their their nose under the under the tent, and they're going to more and more games are going to be behind some sort of paywall, whether it's Peacock or Prime or whatever it is. I mean, you can just count on it. And I think the days of unlimited over-the-air or even cable-fed games is um, coming to an end, frankly. It's coming to an end. Dovetail on that comment is that technically, Bally Sports and these regional sports networks that you watch your baseball teams or your, your NBA basketball teams or your hockey teams play on are be technically behind the cable paywall. They are already behind a paywall. You've got to subscribe to cable to see those games unless they have an over-the-air deal with a local television station, and, and which most of the teams don't anymore. You know, or they show you know a dozen games on a, on 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 a, on right. a local right. uh, uh, television station for free, right? For free. But hey, I watch all of my local television stations. On via the cable service, so I'm they're behind the paywall already. I don't have next gen TV antennas attached to my TV set to watch it for free. I so it's just it's it's it, technically it's just a different paywall, you know. It's just a different that's a, correct another I'll subscription, and and so we just have to get used to the fact that it's going to be streamed rather than through the cable service, and it's a it's a it's a tiny little difference that we're going to going to it's that. Technically, it's a tiny difference, but emotionally, it's a massive difference. Oh, my God, I've got to subscribe yeah, to Peacock. Right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it continues the confusion of, well, where am I going to watch what game? 
as you said, you know, 12 games out of a season are on one channel. Another channel's carrying the the balance of the season, and then the uh, OTT has got something else. So it's going to be very confusing, but the money will speak. It always has. Right. See, I'm beginning to think that iHeart's constant reorganizations, I mean constant, are, are meant to confuse everybody, probably including themselves, and certainly their creditors. I mean, you know, you can see them in a creditor meeting going, Oh, yeah, well, that was last week. Now we got a new organization. They're going to do really well. We're going to have a lot of money. Everything's going to be great. Your debts are going to be paid back. Don't worry about it. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. It just seems like not a week goes by. They don't reorg something, Keith. Uh, what's going on at iHeart? Sweeping realignments. Well, you know, reshuffling. All this, you know, it's just uh, um, iHeart has been one of the better managed Groups and with 850 some odd radio stations and in 160 some odd markets, it's a big beast to manage. And they've done a pretty good job. But this is last year, there was some significant changes that have kind of led to this December realignment of management. And then this last January, from a week and, week and a half ago, uh, another kind of realignment. But it's more led by people leaving the company or changing jobs within the company that it kind of has this all kind of, everybody's kind of like moving around on the game board at, at iHeart. In last February, their chief revenue officer, a guy named Tim Costelli, uh, in February, left to become the CRO at Instacart. He was going to oversee all advertising at Instacart, which is interesting because I didn't think Instacart was an ad medium but apparently not only do they deliver my groceries but they also sell a lot of ads on their website so i've got to i've got to check into that so he left and it was never replaced and then in october greg ashlock who i think is probably the third most uh, important and powerful person in all of iheart behind pitman and bressler running their uh, oh it's the multi-platform group which the multimedia the platforms yeah yeah, you know, and right. events and sponsorship sales and all that. He moves over. He leaves that job. He moves over and becomes head of their uh, marketing media influencer network to sell basically endorsement spots for uh, you know for all their uh, their talent. And they don't replace Greg. They just simply have everybody reporting to Hartley Atkins, who then reports to Rich Bressler, and you know off they go. And then in December. Scott Hopek, who was running, it was a division president and running some of the bigger markets, and Kim Guthrie, who oversaw all of Florida, she left. They both leave. Uh, well, Hope, Hopek left for another job, and Kim is kind of now re-retired, and now she's a consultant to the company. And then just uh, a, you know, a week and a half ago, uh, Jeff Howard, who uh, was overseeing all of their national ad sales and their networks. And their traffic and their weather, he he's out and going to be a consultant to the company, and uh, causes another realignment and another shuffle, where um, uh, uh, now all of uh, national sales is underneath Jenna Craig, or Jenna Craig, not to be confused with Jenny Craig, but Jenna Craig. She moves up a notch, and so does Carter Brokaw, who becomes chief national and digital revenue officer. So. A lot of moving out, sliding over, maybe leaving completely, and then pushing the next generation of uh, revenue leaders up a notch or two. 
and I and I, I you know I clearly think that this is all about consolidating sales leadership at the company, driven mostly by big national client direct or through major agency uh, deals, so that they're sweeping all of the radio budgets or a huge percentage of any radio budget out of national advertisers. And I'm thinking like Capital One, which sponsors all their major events, and Geico, and you know all the all the big insurance companies, and you know Home Depot and Lowe's, and you know all those big giant radio and network and national radio advertisers are now you know continue to consolidate the sales effort with those clients at the top of iHeartMedia. And and you won't see any of that money trickle down or trickle to other networks, or very little of it will. iHeart is just is just steamrolling through and over their competition, namely Odyssey and Cumulus, and just they're they're just so well organized at the client level and at the top of the agencies, particularly in New York and LA and Chicago and Atlanta, that they're they're just massively consolidating their sales efforts to just you know just sweep up those dollars and the left the rest of the business is left for the scraps and uh you know what and they've got i know some of these people at the top of their sales organization and they're really really good uh adrian paps who runs yeah they are that nobody can match up so if you're if you're odyssey you can't match up brian benedict cannot match up to these guys if you're at the top of Cumulus and whoever's running your, your you know, your, your revenue, there, you can't match up. You're not organized and you don't have the talent to do it. And these guys have the the uh, the inventory. They've got the events. They've got the stations. They've got the the footprint, and they're just going to crush it. So, oh uh, man, you know that it, it. But from you know from from a local standpoint, it takes a lot of gutter co- companies. And um, and home improvement shops to make up for those accounts, to make up for those big builder accounts, the lumber yards, the the Home Depots, the uh, the the Macy's, the department stores mm-hmm. that used to be local business. You know, it takes a lot of those guys, and I think that's that's going to be a real problem. More well, it's it's been coming for fifteen years, but it gets to be more and more. And you're right, iHeart is a juggernaut. They are really good at what they do. They're add to that their emphasis on programmatic going forward, and you can buy any piece of inventory at iHeart programmatically now, and uh, so now they're going to go after big digital budgets. Uh, good luck, good luck competing against these guys this year. It's gonna, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be rugged. Well, we know they'll continue to reorg in some fashion, and uh, <laughs> you're right. If it's if it's a competitive market uh, that you're in against iHeart, it, it's going to be a challenging year. All right, Keith, that's going to do it. That's our wrap for the day. I uh, would like uh, to mention, if I could, that uh, Media Insultant is a production of InTown Media. Uh, We do interim contract management for radio. You can find our podcast just about any podcast platform, last time I checked. And the videos are in the Media Insultant Showcase on Vimeo. We drop a new show each Wednesday and look forward to seeing everybody here Wednesday. It's good to be back in the groove here. So, Keith, until we do this again next week, go have a good week, buddy. Thank you. Just don't realign me out of the company, okay? I just (laughs) (laughs) talk to you soon, buddy. Have a great week.